wins it off Hader in the bottom of the 10th inning. And you know where we're going. Pack your bags, folks. All aboard. Next stop, pound time. And here's the 1-0 pitch to Matt. Swung on, launched to left field deep. Matt going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And a miraculous comeback by the A's in the ninth is capped by Matt Chapman's three-run home run. And the A's have won the game. You're now listening to The Seam Hits with Adam Copeland, Ted Ramey, and Rob Bermudez. Only on the Athletic Podcast Network. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's the Seam Heads Podcast back for another week of talking sort of A's baseball or, or baseball or sports or COVID-19, whatever it is we're talking in the Seam Heads these days. Adam Copeland, Ted Ramey, Rob the Bermudez Triangle, joined now by, should we call him a Bay Area legend, Bay Area icon, oh, friend of the, of the podcast. Uh, you see him on NBC Sports California. He does some A's stuff as well as Sharks pre and post. Brody Brazil joins us. Brody, how are you, man? I'm great, but just because I'm on a lot of stuff doesn't mean I'm any good at it. Like we need to make that well, distinction right away. <laughs> well, dude, you've been you've been doing Bay Area <laughs> sports broadcast stuff since like, and I, I know maybe I'll, I'll date you and I'll date myself, but I was watching you. Was it high school sports focus you were doing when I was like in high school and in middle school and hoping that I would be on a team in which you were covering in like a, I don't know in a studio at midnight sometime on yeah. a Friday night. Oh yeah, pretty much. Um, I think I started television. And that career as soon as I was done with high school. <laughs> so uh, I, I am old. I'm not that old, but I have been doing it a while. And, and I'll tell you what, when you mentioned that show, um, that is what brings me back to a lot of uh, sentimental feelings about why I wanted to get into this business and, and the medium of television, although it's changed so much. And now people are on their phones looking at stuff. I I just bring it back to some of the original loves I have for this business. And yeah, it's been more than 20 years I love it. I'm so fortunate to be in the the current situations I'm at, covering two teams and the Sharks and the A's that I grew up watching. And don't get me wrong, there were others. I love the Warriors too uh, growing up. But um, to be able to, to do two of three for a professional uh, career has been I – couldn't have, I couldn't have dreamed this in reverse, honestly. So – did you like? I always wonder this with guys who are local, like like Ted and I are, and Rob is. We're getting to cover some teams that we grew up fans of. Is it ever like seeing how the sausage is made? Is it ever? Do you ever lose any of the magic when you're doing this stuff? I think generally, even if you were covering teams that weren't your favorites growing up, I think you realize the business side, um, and it, it does take away the uh, the fan side of it, you know. And that's the other thing too is I, I always I realize I'm serving the fans. That's who I work for, and I, I try and present too. Um, so sometimes I have to remind myself to go be a fan and stop being a broadcaster, um, sit in the stands, have a beer, see what fans like what what their life and experience is all about. Because you're right, when you get connected to the, quote, other side of things, you learn a lot more. And I would say, too, for for anybody that that has a hobby, that loves their hobby, when their hobby becomes a job, obviously, there are some inherent uh, burnout phases that you could go through and all that stuff. Uh, I don't want to make it too negative because it's really not, but you definitely have to be aware of that. And you, you definitely see and hear and are exposed to some things that the average fan is not. But um, that being said, I think I've been around that block three or four or five or 20 times and uh, still here. So <laughs> <laughs> longevity is what I take pride in right now. Yeah, Brody, the amazing thing to me is just how much we're expected to pay attention to. Like compared, as I have the, the view of it, of like going back to like what my dad had to deal with and such. And, you know, he's semi-retired, still working for Cal, so he's still going, so he understands it too. But I remember 
like in the 90s when the internet was first coming around and he was like, oh, this is great. I can get information that I never had access <laughs> to before. And now I'm like, oh my God, how can I possibly be expected to know all the shit that's out there? Like, it's overwhelming sometimes. I'm just like, I, like how? How am I supposed yeah. to, like, people bring something up and be like, how did I miss that? Like, like I was up on everything else. Then somebody else brings something up. I'm like, thank you for looking at the one thing that I apparently wasn't aware of. The true test is when I, well, when I used to walk in the doors of the office and the studio in San Francisco, because my commute alone could be anywhere from 37 minutes to an hour and 37 minutes. But the bottom line is a lot can even happen while I'm driving into the office. So a lot of the times the producer will say, hey, did you see this? And (laughs) instantly I'm like, now, wait a second. When did this happen? Did I see? Maybe I did. Um, And that's why... For better or worse, I'm a little bit glued to social media, uh, especially on the days that I'm working. But you're right. The amount of information, it's beneficial to us in some ways because you can really get stuff now that you never dreamed of before. Intricate details and things that help in your interviews and your storytelling. But at the same time, um, there's so much going on. It is easy to get lost in it or it's also easy to miss it. I fully agree. I got to watch this damn Brody Brazil YouTube channel now. With these, I mean, oh, I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> Ted, find me on TikTok for you specifically. I'd rather you, you check out my TikTok rather than YouTube, but uh, you got you got to saturate all platforms. You really do. Now, Brody, you've had a chance to do some really fun things that I think we all would like to do. You've played video games with Matt Olson. You've taken some fielding lessons with Matt Chapman. Um, what have been some of the more standout fun moments you've had in your job, especially over the last couple of years? I think one of the best... One of the best things, and I would say, aside from experiences and, and certain individual moments, is is actually, I would say in the last five years, I've really stri- uh, tried to start cultivating even better relationships um, with the athletes I cover. I'm not as close to them physically anymore, um, just being more of a studio host rather than a, a ringside reporter or somebody who's at the games quite often. So I don't get to see them as much, but I really try and make sure that when I am present, that I don't make it all about, hey, so-and-so, I need you to do an interview, or, hey, can we can we do this on camera? I, I, a lot of times, I just want to talk to them off to the side and pick up things that um, they you know would or wouldn't share on camera or small things. It doesn't even need to be a 20-minute conversation. Just a little bit of this, that, hey, I noticed this, tell me about that. Um, so to be honest with you, less than less than certain experiences, it's just the ability to um, be close to players. I would also say, and actually kind of, Ted, going back to your point, one thing about um, the internet and social that's really changed the game, these guys, for what they do and don't admit, they see a lot of the stuff that's out there on them and on their team. So a lot of these guys, you know, when I introduce myself or meet for the first time, they've kind of already seen something I've done. Now that opens up a whole different door of of troubles potentially if if you're a broadcaster who you know is a little reckless in their critiques or you come across the wrong way but a lot of times i just feel so fortunate that you know maybe there's a built-in comfort factor um they've already seen who this guy is and maybe they're more comfortable so there's that um but just going back to experiences yeah don't get me wrong uh taking taking batting practice with logan couture was fun um anytime i've ever got to play hockey or skate out on the ice at sap center that's unbelievable um rob you mentioned it um taking uh, grounders with matt chapman and making diving plays and showing having him show me how he does it i mean every time i do something like that i always make sure i save the video um because i don't care if my son 
will even <laughs> find it amusing <laughs> in in like 10 years i'm showing it to him you know i don't i don't care if you want only could stand five minutes i'm gonna show him you gotta um, flex on him brody you know i don't know how long the body's gonna hold up so i better do this now um before i'm like into the 50s so i got another 10 years of of hopefully um you know involvement type segments well, your perspective on this is interesting and different in talking about how you've, you've you know, I don't know that befriended guys is the right word, but that you've become more comfortable around these guys or that these guys have become more comfortable with you just because of the the natural human element of discussion or, or working out with these guys, whatever it is. I wonder if, if, like from your perspective, since you've been covering these guys for so long, with the development of social media and the development of how sports is covered, and I mean, you're joking about TikTok and, and you know, maybe some of these guys have seen stuff that you did and was watching the Jordan documentary and watching him read the Chicago Tribune like while he's on the bus seeing some of these comments have players in your from your perspective ingested or or uh, I don't know what the right word is have they gone about obtaining the information about themselves from the media differently or have they reacted to it differently from your perspective since media is different now I think they're all curious at times. I think they all get too far into it at times. And I all I think they all take breaks from it at times. I think they're quite honestly, just like all four of us talking right now, <laughs> you know, um, I, I definitely think it's the human element and that is the best way to put it. Yeah, they're professionals. They are gifted with skills that I don't think any of us ever have or will have. Um, but the point is, is like they're when it comes down to it, of course, they're going to look at stuff. Of course, they're interested to hear what people are saying about not just about them, but also their team and, and the business they work in. So I don't know that they have it and they approach it any differently than any of us, um, only that they definitely are, are person by person. Some guys want to stay completely away from social. Some guys say they want to stay away from it, but they're actually on there. Oh, man, I could drop a few names right now, but I will not. Um, I know they're on there because... <laughs> Because, uh, hey, Brody, I saw what you tweeted. Oh, really, Person X? Because you're not technically on Twitter. How did you see that? Um, so, you know, there's also um, athletes who realize that they are a brand and this is an important move for them. Um, and then there's people who are just kind of casual. They don't really know what they're doing on there, but they know it's it's what everybody else is doing. So I think there's a lot of different flavors. Um, hard to characterize, but... I would say that it is definitely more of their life now than as you reference about, you know, Jordan opening up the paper in the 90s. Um, it, they're getting a lot different information now than they ever than they ever were. Now, Brody, I have to take umbrage with your comment that none of us have had those skills to play at their level because <laughs> oh, a 42 year old goalie got his call up in the last calendar year. He had his moments, so I think we're all we. It could still happen for all. It's of in us. the cards, Brody. It's in the yeah. cards. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let me put it this way. Let me speak for myself then, and my hamstring, Dunsky, complete Dunsky. Good deal. Good deal. Brody, I I just want to talk a little bit about broadcasting in general because I don't know if you remember, but it was five or six years ago at Fan Fest, a very earnest young college student stuck a a Tascam DR40 in your mouth and said, hey, could you give me a quick soundbite for my radio show? And uh, I just want to say that it was it was cool. That was one of the first experiences that I kind of felt like a, a professional in the business. And, um, you know, I've, I've always been very fond of college radio. That's where I got my start. I talked to you that day, Ahmed Farid. I talked to Chris Towns and I talked to a bunch of guys and just got soundbites. So I just kind of want to say, 
first of all, thank you. And and secondly, if you were a young person right now and you're say a college student or you're about to go to college, what advice would you give? Because it seems like you have ascended kind of to this local stardom and you've you've really made it for yourself. What what's some advice that you would give a a young wide-eyed college student like myself 5 or 6 years ago? Well, I'm only offended because you called it local stardom. It's more like regional stardom. Nice. Yeah, nice. I'm so glad you guys laughed at that because I was like, <laughs> I hope this comes across the right way, being that we can't see each other. We'll clip um, the laughs out probably. We'll make sure yeah, that oh, no. the <laughs> Dead silence. Crickets. Crickets, yeah. Um, no, you know, I, I, I appreciate even the opportunity to talk about something like that because the the landscape has changed so much. I mean, I was at San Jose State in the uh, late 90s, just into the crack of the 2000s. And, you know, back then you were studying to be a TV person or you really wanted to write for the paper or you were a radio person. And honestly, the internet and social were not even close to being out yet. So um, you kind of had to pigeonhole yourself as one of, one of several options. I think the biggest advice I tell people now is that you got to be a jack of all trades. Um, yeah, if you really like television, that's great. You better be able uh, to know how to put together a podcast and also do a written piece for your publication and how to be good on social media. Um, there's not a thing that you can be, I don't want to say bad at, but there's not a thing you can ignore um, here in 2020 and probably be successful in this industry. Um, and just the other, the only other thing I would say is that um, part of being a jack of all trades is kind of knowing the technical side of it as well. Um, here I am, a television broadcaster who currently uh, works out of the home studio where I shoot, edit, um, and then send off, you know, 20-minute interviews almost on a daily basis. You know, and I'm, I've got the technical side of this going, the editing side, the, the camera work side, the audio side. These were all things that I learned initially uh, when I got into production as one of my first jobs in television. And had I either never had that job or had I just completely forgotten about it, I wouldn't be in the situation now, isolated at home, where I could be self-sufficient. Um, so I, I just think knowing not only what your job is and what you want to do, but knowing what everybody else's job is and, and how, to, how to be a team, how to, how to be a production team with them, I think is super important. If you're bored in the house, bored in the house, bored, why not spend some time on yourself? Our sponsor today, Manscaped, is here to make sure you're well-groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving thanks to their Lawnmower 3.0. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. This third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Subscribe to the perfect package and get a new replacement blade to refill your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer always stays safe, fresh, and clean. This is the perfect package for your perfect package. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC. So, well, Brody, let's let's jump on to what we're going to be watching on ESPN, and that is uh, all Dan Straley all the time. But this is with Korean <laughs> baseball um, you know, we were just kind of spitballing before here. I just, your, your reactions to the, now the ESPN taking this, 
you know, a, a rival of your own with the NBC uh, Umbrella Corporation. But, you know, just are, are you going to watch? And then, you know, going from there, what are you worried about or what are you excited about? Just how you're reacting. I find myself with almost zero free time during these uh, these crazy days and nights um, just being a dad <laughs> and trying to get house stuff done. I think I've barely watched any Netflix. Uh, my wife has got me binging uh, The Good Place on NBC, by the way. Now, it's not, I'm not just saying that because it's an NBC show. Um, time, Ted, my answer is time might be um, an interest of me. I, like, I don't know if I can, at this point, I don't know if I have time for it. Would I watch it? Of course. I'm curious. Um, I'm not more, I don't, I don't necessarily, and I don't want to say I don't need it. Um, because that sounds wrong. If it were the Oakland A's, damn it, I need it. Um, I just, I don't know if I need Korean baseball in my uh, landscape right now. Of course I'm interested. And I'm also, um, you know, very much interested in the, in the fact of how they pull this off. Can they pull this off? How does it go? Can everybody stay healthy? Because maybe Major League Baseball learns something from it. So interest level, uh, mild, um, but I think hopefully it could become more of a resource for our own situation and, and them trying to get something done. Um, but I, I think, look, in this era of of live sports being at a premium, people are just are, are, are salivating for it. Um, I'm not surprised that networks and different entities like the Korean Baseball League, like that they who would have ever thought that would be a, a match and a, and a deal. But here we are, you know. Uh, Bernie, I want to ask you just sort of on the uh, on the fun tip, just like the uh, I mentioned the Jordan documentary earlier. I think everybody is starting to think about what the what the like the equivalent would be for the teams that they root for. I think we can all anticipate at some point we'll get the thirty for thirty of the uh, of the Golden State Warriors five title runs. I think <laughs> yeah. we'll certainly get that now with all the comments from Draymond and, and Kevin Durant and whatnot, um, and the crossover with Steve Kerr. But I wonder if you're going to do an A's one. Is it the 88, 89, 90 teams? Is it the 72, 3, 4? Is it, is it drinking beer and fighting in the clubhouse? Or is it Maguire, Canseco? I think I would love to see a Maguire, Canseco, uh, 88, 89, 90. You got Eck in there. You got the Dodgers. Uh, where would you go with your 30 for 30 on the Oakland days? If I were probably about 20 years older in life, I, I probably would have said the 70s teams. Um, just because they won more, they won three in a row. That's, I mean, still to this day in baseball, it's it's rather unprecedented. I don't know if and when that's going to happen again. Um, but the point is, is that I just, I, I lived through the 80s, uh, 88, 89, 90. And um, to me, the fascination would be incredibly there. And and I, w- I would also say some of it has been tarnished uh, in recent years, not in a bad way, tarnished in that. I've got to meet Jose Canseco and work with Jose Canseco and and have great conversations with Jose and Carney Lansford and Ricky Henderson. When I met Terry Steinbach, guys, and I don't like, you know, that's a that that was a um, not a role player on the team, but there were obviously bigger names, Eckersley um, included on that team, Walt Weiss, McGuire. But for me to meet uh, Terry Steinbach a couple years ago, I mean. I probably was drooling as as it happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, no, it just that was a guy that as a kid, as much as there were stars on that team, uh, I loved the way he played. I also loved the way Carney played. So um, some of it's been tarnished in that I've I've got to ask a lot of the questions I wanted to know about those teams. But man, I think the public would be super interested. Um, I also think though, if if it's if it's going to be properly documented, um, you should get on it quick. Uh, Too many guys from that team. Um, Bob Welch, Dave Parker included, you know, no longer with us. Uh, Dave Henderson as well. Um, so I just, I, I think that uh, time is ticking in, in, in not a great way um, in that regard. And, and 
you know, if, if they were to document something like that, I hope it's sooner than later. We look at the the change in baseball for me, Brody. It's kind of before and after the strike in 94. And so it's hard for me to compare that 89 team that won it all with some of the other A's teams we've seen more recently, just because that, you know, even in the late eighties, except for McGuire and Canseco, there were still guys who were saying that, you know, weightlifting makes you less explosive and ruins your flexibility, stuff like that. So we know a lot more now, but this year's A's team, we had the comparisons from Billy Bean before the season began. He said it was as talented, if not more talented than the vaunted 2001 team that we constantly make the references to. That was the one that got away. I think every A's fan feels that way. Yeah. Where were you on where this team was lining up all times in terms of pure talent and capability? Were you comfortable with making that comparison to 01? There's probably a lot of seasons that you went into fairly optimistic with the A's. That would be one of them. Um, Obviously, even after, like, let's go all the way back to 88, right? You just went to the World Series. You lost to the Dodgers. Those guys were pissed. It took them adding Ricky in, in 89 to really just blow everybody out of the water. Um, but but you knew, like, going into 89 that there was a great chance. Um, even in more recent times, um, after 2012, you felt so magical about this team that maybe 2013 would be special, and it was. And then maybe 2014 would be special, and it was for about half the season. Um, but I think it's it, it's up there, not to compare it to just one, but it's up there with any other season that has turned out in a really great way. The hard part is now... Like how many games are going to be played? Where are these games going to be played? What are the teams that are going to, you're going to be playing against in your own division slash league? I mean, everything has been uh, thrown in the blender or it's going to need to be thrown in the blender uh, for this season to actually happen. So what does that mean in a positive or negative way for the Oakland A's? We, we don't really know. So it's so unfortunate that as all this stuff was lining up, and I'll even throw in too, let's, let's talk about it, the stadium situation. Um, it seemed like we were getting close, close, close. And now whether it's governmental issues, financial issues, economic issues, obviously this pandemic means nothing good for a ballpark or baseball. And and not that those are the number one priorities right now. Let me just state that. But um, they're very important to this team. And uh, it has it has forced everything to kind of hit a, hit a certain wall. And uh, so I I just think the timing couldn't have been worse in a lot of ways for a team like the A's. Let's just assume baseball does get played in 2020 in the United States, not just in Korea. Um, what are some of the storylines you're most looking forward to? Are there any players that you think are going to take a, a big step forward that you're really excited to see, whether it's young starting pitching or whether it's the emergence of who's going to take the, the reins at second base? What What are the kind of things that you're ready to get back into baseball and cover? Are, are you talking about specifically with the A's? Yeah, with the A's. Yeah. I mean, the rotation is just nasty. I mean, that that's a rotation that they haven't had in, I mean, well, I guess since the big three. But even then, I mean, you're you're so much deeper than three. I quite honestly think you're six deep um, with Fires and Manaya and Frankie Montas and Puck and Lazardo. And I don't think you should um, take Chris Bassett's name too far out of the equation. You're going to need way more than five starters no matter how many games you play. Um, so I, I think the rotation is what I'm especially excited about. Um, it's not to take for granted the known commodities that a Chapman and an Olsen and hopefully a Chris Davis comes back to be and all the important other players. Loriano's got an outfield spot, hopefully locked in. Uh, Canna provides some pop no matter how and where he plays. Um, I think Murphy behind the dish is 
something everybody's been waiting for, the opportunity to have a young and uh, and hopefully uh, a catcher who can pan out over the long run and that type of prospect. So I just think there's so many things that that are the cake, but the icing on the cake to me is that starting rotation and, and what they could be capable of. I think that was the most exciting element coming into this season. We were clamoring for that all spring training. Yeah. And uh, as you said, it just kind of hit a wall. Before we let you go, Brody, uh, I know Ted has talked about this, and it's fun for me to, to listen to these two guys debate because Rob, diehard A's guy, Ted, a diehard A's guy, they both go back and forth about third baseman. So you got a ground ball hit to third. If this is fielded correctly and thrown to first base for an out, A's are going to the World Series. Who do you want to field? Is it Matt Chapman or is it Eric Chavez, Brody? <sighs> Carney Lansford. <laughs> uh, I just I feel most comfortable because Carney Carney did it in the World Series, right? Like he's, yeah, yeah. and uh, that's uh, no, I, you know, I, I would I would only ask that you give me um, that you give me like two more years on Matt Chapman, right? And it's not to say that I have any reservations about him. It's just that Xavi was longevity, right? What six straight Gold Gloves in a row and. Um, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say Chapman in another year or two, I guess I'm saying Chavi right now. So Although two really platinum w- gloves, nothing, does I nothing know, for Brody Bazil. I That's, know. Wow. <laughs> not wow. only that, not only that, let me, let me take it one step further. If you go to mattchapmanfanclub.com. What yeah, a that, seamless plug right there, Brody. That goes That's, to my YouTube channel. That's big league. <laughs> I am not joking. I own that. Do- it's, I, as a Is joke, that a redirect? I, Is it really? Yeah, hundred percent. You should see the video of, of me telling him about that. The eye roll is top notch. He's like, "What? We're all doing this right now, right?" Yeah, I'm doing he's it. As not we joking speak. in the slightest. Matchmanfanclub.com. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is insane. Takes you, you right go. to YouTube.com/slash Brody Brazil. Brody, this is incredible, yep. man. What a hey. plug, dude. We we appreciate. <laughs> this is great stuff, dude. This is great. We appreciate the time today, Brody. Thanks a lot for coming on with us, man. Thanks, buddy. My pleasure. Great to, great to talk to you guys. Uh, it would be awesome to see you guys. I just want to say this before we close out. At NBC, we're working so hard to try and be prepared so that when baseball comes back, um, our shows and everything else can come along with it. So um, we're working hard behind the scenes to hopefully be right there um, and make this experience everything you've been waiting for when we get it back. So I appreciate you guys for reaching out. Fantastic stuff. And you can check out uh, all your stuff, Brody, at youtube.com slash Brazil or... MattChapmanFanClub.com will take you to the exact same spot. So thanks again, Brody. We'll talk to you down the road. You guys got it. Thanks. Dude, awesome stuff talking to Brody Brazil. Wide-ranging conversation. And just like, I mean, maybe the least stressed guy about the pandemic that we've talked to since this thing started. Like, Brody with tons of perspective. He's laid back. He's doing his own thing. And he's continuing to produce some great content. So it's fun talking to him today, man. Yeah, man. I appreciate just uh, how willing he was to just not want to like, go in on, like, here's my hardcore, like, baseball takes. Like, it's nice when we can have, like, just kind of a, ca- a casual conversation because I'm sure he knows just kind of like we do because he's been doing so many in- interviews. You can only really harp on some of the great unknowns for so long before you just kind of run into that wall of like, okay, we've covered this time and time again. So it was nice to kind of go a little bit big picture with him as opposed to what do you think Major League Baseball is going to do? What's going to be the problem? How are they going to solve this? I just appreciated, like you said, the the relaxed, the chill atmosphere of a Brody Brazil. And the honesty too. Like I personally love working in sports. I know a lot of people like working in sports, but you also do hear that it's a hobby, it's your passion, you love it, and then you work in it, and then it becomes work. And then the pleasure kind of goes away for a bit. 
But hearing Brody say, you know, there's there's kind of cycles through it that you definitely have that work fatigue, the sports fatigue, and you just kind of he's using his time now to kind of get away from it and recharge. And it, it makes me feel less guilty over the fact that like I'm not as 100% dialed into any morsel of sports right now. I'm kind of taking it as a time to just relax, watch some Netflix shows, play some video games. And when there's sports news, I'm, I'm into it, but I'm not just 100% obsessing over any new tiny detail all the time and, and freaking out about it. So I think also the fact that he has a, he said a two and a half year old kid, that kind of makes a, this whole shutdown. He doesn't get the chance to, to binge watch Tiger King. He's got to binge, binge take care of his child still. So <laughs> He's like, quarantine, yeah. that's fine. I have a kid. That's where all my time and energy goes into. Dude, I feel that. That's the reason why I, I just started the first episode of The Last Dance last night. Like, I haven't, because when you have kids, you don't just have free time all the time. It's, it's, uh, the only one I had been able to watch previously was Tiger King, but that's because it was at night. And, you know, like when the quarantine first started going, that was out. And, you know, the kids go to bed by, eight or nine you're like all right i get a little time now to watch this so now i'm catching up with uh, the last dance but i felt i felt brody's positioning maybe not pain but positioning very very clearly to quote uh, bill burr then you can send your kids to to bed early on some trumped up charges ted <laughs> you make some s up and then you send them to bed early so you can watch your uh, your last dance but uh no man I, I feel for the parents out there i feel for people who are trying to work from home and teach their kids school and and take care of them and the young ones are the kids that are that are hurting man and we had the cancellation of the little league world series this year so uh yeah baseball is uh, is at a halt but as you guys mentioned we get korean baseball every day on espn starting uh starting today as we record this on Monday, May the 4th. So we'll be back with more Seamheads on Thursday. If you're enjoying the podcast, we ask that you rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is you get your podcasts. And if you're looking for a free 90-day trial of The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash Seamheads for your free 90-day trial. And we will talk to you guys on Thursday.